Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners and welcome to episode 16 of the podcast. I'm joined again by Brownie for this one. We've got Tom Drake with us, the CEO of the Community and Education Trust. And we're also joined by a man who has written his name into Preston North End folklore, Mr. Tom Clark, as we preview the Blackpool game on April the 1st. So yeah, let's get into it. Brownie, you well, pal? How's things? Very good, mate. Very good. Mrs. uh... Mrs. away with work, so I've got a... Free house, yeah. Winner, repping your Dulux trade top as well. Well, no, it's not my top. It's a free top. But... No, no, I, I'm sure you've said this on the pod before. It's just did funny. I say it on the pod? Oh, the, oh, yeah. You might not have said it on the pod, but I just remember the day you got it. We were recording. You're like, it's bloody warm. This. Well, yeah, and also when I walk around my block of flats, we had a lot of builders here, and they <laughs> kind of assume that I'm one of them. One of them, yeah. So give, you that, a lot of, give you that knowing right, nod. Yeah, all right, pal. All right, mate. <laughs> Not to know that I'm a yeah, a little office worker. Not one of them. So, yeah. Any uh, any holidays since we last podded? I went to Iceland, which was good. Expensive. It, yeah, nine pound a pint it was. Yeah, so it is. Not for the faint-hearted. No, definitely um, not. But what a what a mad place. It's like it's like being a different planet. Um, yeah, I recommend it to anyone out there if you're thinking about it. Do you, do you get bang for your buck with your beer? Is it strong or is it is it? Well, it's right? just it's a normal pint. So oh, fair enough. It's just just is, expensive. Yeah, that is what it is. Yeah, but yeah, the top time. Um, yeah, lots of driving, lots of sightseeing. It was good. Happy days, mate. Happy days. Good to hear. Yeah, up until Saturday, we've gone seven unbeaten. And I don't know if I don't know if we can say that the the mood had changed, but I think it had certainly started to shift a little bit. And then Gentry Day happened, and we got tonked four 0 And I think it's safe to say we're back to where we were a month or so ago. Um, but we'll go back. We'll go back to since we last recorded. Obviously, we last spoke after the Wigan game. Um, Next up was Cov, nil-nil at home. I think my, my key takeaway from that game was that Bambo should be playing more often, and obviously since then he, he has gone on to to play, I think, every game since. Um, he just he had Victor Gilchrist in his back pocket that night, and I think you could see the difference he made to that back three, that back five, whatever you want to call it. 
Yeah, well, he played in the centre of a back three towards the end of last season, didn't he? But I think I was last time I was on, I was championing him in that right centre back position. Um, I think what what's good when he plays the centre is it obviously gives us that little bit of more of an option in midfield in that Whiteman drops deep, but kind of Bambo can kind of be like that second type of player where he drops deep and can you know he can pick a pass, can't he? The worry is. As always, is with Bambo is you know he's a little bit erratic, um, and you know given the fact they had a really good run of games, obviously we'll come on to Saturday, but um, he was a little bit all over the place. But I suppose that's what you're going to get with him, aren't you? Really, you know he's not. Um, I think for me, I think the positives outweigh the negatives in that you know he's good on the ball, and you know if you actually look at our ratio within the team, you know. I think we've, you know, we've collected more points than, you know, than than when he's not. So I think he's he's a welcome addition. I think long term. Yeah, I, I agree. And when he joined, I remember one of the lads in the WhatsApp group saying that he was referred to as the golden bomb scare at Barnsley, and I think you can see why because um, he does have a rick in him, doesn't he? But. I think the the positives outweigh the negatives, and like you just said, you know, when he's in the side, we collect more points than when he's not. Um, yeah, the way the way that he just he marshaled Gorkares that Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whatever it was, I can't remember at Deepdale, was mega impressive, mega impressive. Because I think since before that game and since that game, I think he's gone on to have a goal involvement in every game he's played. I think it just goes to show what. What a job Bambo did on him. Yeah, well, I mean, when he's all over you like a rash, Bambo is, he's, you know, you, you struggle really against him. You know, it's just balls in the box and you know, his heading ability. And if he gets, um, you know, and the fact that he can jump in and be a little bit rash, but once he's once he's on you, you know, especially if you're if you've got your back to goal or if he wants to, you know, push you out wide, you know, he, he's he's that type of player where. Difficult to get past him, isn't it? Um, and he showed it that night. Yeah, he's shown he's got a turn of pace as well, hasn't he? You know, there's a couple of instances I can remember where players, I think um, the Cardiff game, players were just knocking it past him and trying to go around him. And well, that's just... what we miss, isn't it? We miss, yeah. we don't really have a lot of that pace. Um, you know, Hughes has got a little bit of the battle story, hasn't really, and um, and Lindsay, Lindsay hasn't, so... It gives us that option, really, in, in that it helps us recover better than um, than not. And it, I think he genuinely pushes us further up the field. But I think with the start of the season, we had Lindsay, Story, and Hughes. You know, three players who were good in the air. I think we were. I mean, we're still too deep for my liking, but we were a lot deeper and seemed to defend our box. But when you've got Bambo, you can kind of take a little bit more risk. Now, it's obviously going to impact in the things like Saturday may happen or, you know, where he's going to make a mistake. But I'd rather be higher up the pitch and take risks than be negative and, um, you know, passive, to my liking, anyway. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the first instance that we saw of that coming back was obviously the trip to Watford. Um, trying, to, trying to be hard to beat, sort of, probably, probably got the plan of going there nicking a point and, and getting out, which we did. Um, 
think in isolation it's probably not a bad result. Nil nil away at Watford. Um, don't get me wrong, they're not pulling up trees or anything this season, but they're clearly a good side. Um, probably should be a little bit higher up the league than what they are at the minute in tenth. But yeah, n- not a bad point to go away and arguably maybe could have had a chance to win it if the referee makes a different decision when Troy Pirates brought down. What did you think of that? Well, it's a, it is a foul, isn't it? Let's yeah. face it. Um, it does say a lot when a manager gets sacked for a nil-nil draw at home to Preston, doesn't it? It's always, doesn't it? It always seems to be us. Every the, time. Yeah, manager sacked. Um, but, you know, obviously that didn't go down too well with the Watford faithful. But, um, but yeah, like you say, it's a good point in isolation. I think, you know, you pick up points away from home, it's good. But... Um, I think what the last few games has shown, and probably over the season as a whole, really, is just that we just don't score enough goals, do we? Um, and and that's our main problem. I mean, if you actually look at it, there's only only two games all season where we've won by two goals, um, and there's 16 games where we haven't even scored. So, you know, it's it, it's a real worry, um, and that's what kind of Lowe's touching on when he. You know, he spoke at the weekend about um, us not being that next level, and and that's what it is, isn't it? You know, you could talk about clean sheets and decent nil-nil points all you want, but um, you know, not scoring enough goals is a big problem for us. I think it's thirty-four for the season, and there's only three teams that are um, that have scored fewer than us: Wigan, Huddersfield, and Cardiff, which. He's not great company to be in, is it? No, and I can't imagine Blackpool have scored many more than us either. No, it's not many more, no. Um, um, yeah, it's not It's not great company to be in, and I think we're fourth bottom in the expected goal difference table as well, which obviously some people might be like, oh, fucking hell, here we go again, stats, but, you know, it tells the tale, doesn't it? Um, well, that's it, you know, you're going about unbeaten runs, and they're good for regaining confidence but in reality I mean you could you could draw seven or you could draw ten you know look at Blackburn I mean they've actually lost more games than us and they're sat in the playoffs so you know talking about unbeaten runs yeah it's good for confidence and and actually I think given how bad it was um, you know especially you know he got that point against Luton and kind of got a few more points on the board It, it helps you get back on track but in terms of you know, getting towards that playoff picture, um, you know, we're just not, we're just not there, are we? Um, and no, nah, we're way off it. I think George put it in the in the group chat the other day, or maybe Jimmy. You can tell, can't you, the the teams that are destined for the playoffs or destined to be sort of properly in the hunt. They they look quality. Like you know, you look at Borough, for example. I know they're pushing for automatics, but. They look like a team that deserve to be up there and should be up there, and we just look miles off it. I mean, if you go back through our results this season, how many have been sort of like smash and grabs, won against the runner play, um, scored from a, a set piece, or probably Chad Evans has scored some out of nothing with a snapshot. Um, it's unsustainable, and my concern is more about next season and the future, but. We'll come on to that at some point in this episode, I, I suspect. 
talking of not scoring many goals, the the two games after Watford, we we scored four four and two. Um, obviously Cardiff two nil penalty. Was it a penalty? Um, no, it was the Wigan game. It was a penalty, wasn't it? Um, I know <laughs> the second one was Parrot. Well, uh, not Parrot. Evans off the wide free yeah. kick, wasn't it? The first one was Cannon, wasn't it? Which was a yeah, that was it. Um, he he quality rich vein of form for him, by the way. In the last last few games, he's a good player, but you can just tell he needs that little bit of experience up with him, doesn't he? Bit you know, raw, he, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously he was playing up on his own at the weekend, but you know it was noticeable the Rotherham game as well, wasn't it? As soon as Evans went off, we were just completely a different team. Um, and Cannon probably needs some, someone to just guide him through the game a little bit more. And um, because Parrot does drop deep, but he's not on Evans' type, where um, kind of kind of attracts a lot of attention. Evans, doesn't he? And you kind of get that bit of, bit more space in behind. Um, but Cannon is, I think, I think if he came back next season, Cannon, I think he'd be a really good signing. But yeah, I, I agree. We've been before, haven't we? <laughs> I think this half season has probably done him the world of good. Um, but I think just going back to Chad, for want of a better word, he's a bit of a pest, isn't he? Um, he he's a bit like Garner in League One, where he he attracts the defenders and he creates, like you say, creates the space for the other players and just a bit of a shit house. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I mean, it. it if it wasn't for Evans, I think, I think you know, we'd be struggling, wouldn't we? Ten um, goals, is it? He's scored this season now. Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? Ten. I, I mean, a lot, without, a lot of them have those been, you know, really difficult important. chances, you know, and and important goals. Yeah, I think without those goals, that we'd be looking a lot worse in the table than we are. Um, yeah, the the you touched on the Rotherham game then. You could tell the difference he made by the fact that he went off and the sort of the levels dropped a bit. Um, but you know it would have been a travesty if we hadn't won that game because we could have quite easily won it by more. Yeah, we genuinely played well, didn't we? Well, it, well, that period in the beginning of the second half, we played very well. Um, we could have had a couple of goals, couldn't we? I think Evans had one blocked and Gan- uh, Cannon, Cannon at the bar. Um, and yeah, it would have been a complete travesty if we didn't win that game. Um, but Evans obviously got injured, didn't he? Um, and kind of just absorbs that little bit of pressure at the back, really, because we just couldn't get out at all. And and when it did go up from, it didn't stick, or or we just final ball was wasn't on it. So, um, but you know, you got two young lads up front who, um, you know, Parrot hasn't played a lot of games as either, so. Bit of naivety, I think, up top towards the end of that game. Yeah, I think. What question for you? What do you think has changed in the? Uh, we'll come on to Borough in a minute, but in the build-up to that Rotherham game, what do you think had changed? Because we genuinely did play well um, for large parts of it. Do you think it was maybe just? Like you said, you know, drawing games and, and going unbeaten for a run is good for building confidence. Do you think it was just the fact that we were on a little bit of an unbeaten run? Obviously beat well, Wigan, D- drew DJ's two come and back then beat Cardiff. Team. 
DJ's come back into the team more permanently, hasn't he? Which is, you know, it just beggars the question. Why the hell wasn't he playing in the first place? But, you know, and, and I think DJ, once he gets in that little left channel as well, it can be really dangerous. And and it was bizarre because at the end of last season, that's where he was playing. I mean, he played wing-back for a couple of games. Remember the Barnsley game where he was pretty much wing-back and him and Brown and McCann were kind of interchanging. Um, and I remember the Stoke game last season where DJ got down that left-hand side and set up Pots. And you just wonder why why he hasn't been playing because he's such a key player. Yeah, I, mean, I think on that Stoke game as well, I think Lowe came out, didn't he, after the game and specifically made a point of saying, that's how I want my teams to play. And then arguably from that point onwards, we've just gotten worse and worse and worse. Up yeah. until this this little mini mini run, that's the thing. You know, you look at the lack of goals that we've scored. You know that there's still goals in the side. You know, Brown, DJ, both got double figures at one point in the past. You know, he's got he's got well. You know, we had Reese at the beginning of the season, but obviously he's got Delap, Cannon, and Parrot. You know, so so we do have attacking options. So. You know, it, it it is tactically really why we, we've not scored more than we have. It's probably more to do with the fact that we're trying to keep, um, trying to you know protect the defence and and not not concede rather than score goals, which kind of goes against the the philosophy that the manager says he subscribes to. So, you know, I I still think there are goals in that side. You know, you, you just got to get Brown and DJ in the box more. We we just don't really seem to get many players up the field or, or at least not quick enough anyway. I think he needs to maybe focus a little bit more on the defence when it comes to um, transfer windows. Sort of upgrading players in that position, in those positions, sorry. I, mean, I, I don't think the wing-back situation has helped him because no. obviously he obviously wants to play this way, which you know, is fine if that's the way he wants to play. But, you know, I suppose if we, were, if we want to be a little bit more attacking, you know, You'd want more attacking wing backs, really. Um, you know, ones. I mean, he mentioned Speedy Gonzalez. You know, you know. Um, I think we need more than one of them. By the way, I think, that, but that would help in terms of our attacking play because we don't really have we don't really have pace at all. If we're if we're honest, Cannon's got a bit about him, but he's not. not like, he's not shit off a shovel, though, is he? There's no one. Sort of like Barky was in those first few years when he came. Um, and, you know, he's made two players that maybe weren't considered pacey, but had it in shorter bursts where Piero and Davo sort of over like 10, 15 yards were pretty rapid. Um, but for a there, team that plays so deep, you need pace. Yeah. You need pace to get out. And that's why, that's why sometimes, I mean, I remember the whole game. There's, there's loads of games where you know, there's pretty much one person up front, and the the rest of the you know we're playing a flat back five, and um, nobody can get up the pitch quick enough. So certainly, you know, having better options out wide would help. But I do still think there's there's more in that midfield where you can you could utilize and get more goals out of it. I mean, I mean Johnson, what is it? One penalty scored this season. You know, that, wasn't there a point where he hadn't even had a shot on target in the games he'd played this season? Well, yeah, I mean... Like, if that doesn't tell you the way that the system is being used, is stifling the players, then I don't know what 
what to say to you because we all know what DJ's qualities are, you know, and we've seen for years he loves a loves a shot from the edge of the box when he gets half a half a yard. Um, yeah, let's come on to Borough then. Um, I think first and foremost the fans. It's been all over social media just how good they were on the day, um, but that's not a surprise I think to me and you, given that. You know, we know how well we travel in numbers on, on away days and especially Gentry Day, given everything around it and the significance of it. Um wasn't a surprise to see the videos of of the faithful doing what they did and doing what they did best. I do think Gentry Day is like genuinely a really, a really good idea and a great concept for people to get behind. Um, I know it's had a little bit of um, press over the years, but I always wonder when it comes around. I do think it probably deserves a little bit more. You know, I think if it was a bigger club, I think a lot of people would be, you know, shouting from the rooftops about was, it, wouldn't they? I was going to say, I think that probably comes down to the fact that we're quote unquote little old Preston. Yeah, it's no surprise, and 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 it is a great day, and I think I think um, Middlesbrough were the latest to to be in the camp of Preston were the best away fans to turn up at this stadium because. Um, well, okay, the football's not been great, but our away support is usually spot on, isn't it? Yeah, can't fault them. Can't fault them at all. Um, what what do you make of Lowe's post-match comments um, after the Borough game where he's come out again and said, I don't think it's the tactics or um, the shape or anything like that, that that's to blame, i.e., I think it's the players on the pitch that are to blame is how it reads to me what he's saying. Um, You know, he's got form for throwing players, staff members, fans, whoever under the bus, whether it be on the sly or not as on the sly as he perhaps thinks it is. Um, What what do you make of his recent comments? Well, the the comment that concerned me the most is when he said he hadn't had time to prepare for Carrick. Like what? What? what Too busy going out from heels with Carrer, isn't he? Well, I, I just don't understand that at all. Like, no. I mean, for one, why say it? I mean, why would you? Why would you even bother saying that? Because it's not a valid excuse for me. You know, oh, I've, I've not. You know, maybe I'm reading a little bit too, in, too much into it. But you know, just to, to say, well, I haven't had time to prepare. Well, you know, you get paid a lot of money to be prepared, um, and presumably, you know you'd know about that scenario anyway, given it in the championship, you play weekend and, and midweek most weeks. So I don't know what was different this week. Well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't come out and say it after a Rovers game or a Blackpool game, would he? Yeah, so why, why, why is the, why is the Borough game any different? Yeah. Um, and then in terms of, I, I think the whole narrative's changed in that I think he's preparing us all for the summer now. Um, it does seem as though you know, the BBC, the Lanks reporter said, oh, what were you saying the other day about budget? And he said, no, I wasn't saying about budget. Although we all know it was on about budget. Um, yeah, because he, he, the, the question was something along the lines of, you, you mentioned about underachieving, was that, uh, sorry, over, uh, overachieving. Yeah. Overachieving, is that in relation to the budget that you've got? And he just completely avoided answering the question, didn't he? Yeah, so that that's what he was saying. But I, I think the whole 
it's gradually, gradually, week on week, it does seem as though to me that we're getting set up for some bad news <laughs> this summer. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's going to be a, a tough old slog, isn't it? Um, so I think I think that's why he's probably not getting a little bit over the top, and also he's saying you know stuff like we're not we're not at that level for the playoffs. But I, I genuinely think Middlesbrough they're top two really, so we're a long way off them. But I wouldn't say we're a long way off um, you know Millwall, Luton, especially as the size of a club we are. You know I think I think it is it's obviously achievable to get into those positions. So well, there are two clubs as well that have come up to the championship after we have and have overtaken us. Like, not just a little bit overtaken us, but massively overtaken us. Obviously, when Brentford were in the championship, they were the 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 sort of example that everyone used to point to and say, look how far Brentford have come, why can't we do that? But, you know, there's an argument to, to say, hey, look at Luton, look at Millwall, look at what they've done, because they've been in the division less time than we have. And arguably have, whilst not won anything, achieved more, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, you know, those clubs, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure Lowell will say, well, Rowett's been in there a long time, so he's got a lot of stability, which is right, that's fair. Um, but Luton especially, you know, off the pitch have got a real clear plan. Um, and we don't really have one. Um, you know, you only look at, you know, signings like Josh Onomer. You know, what what's going on there? You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and, you know, he, he may be fit and may turn it on, but, you know, if we had any real aspirations of making those playoffs, we wouldn't be signing somebody who wasn't fit and, you know, who then hardly played any games. You know, you'd be signing someone who, who genuinely would make you better. So... Just seems to me as though you know, and we've talked about it before, and you know, it's window to window, yeah. And especially at the minute, it's definitely, you know, the club can come out and say what it wants, but it's definitely a cost-cutting exercise. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, the day we're recording is two years to the day since Alex Neil was sacked, and I've tweeted it, and I'm sure many think it well some probably think it maybe not many um but it feels like it's just been downhill ever since he left um i'd probably say the summer before that i think i think that the, the covid's when when we finished ninth and when all the contract situation we couldn't get any of them tied down um we ended up with pretty much we, we tried for every single striker on the planet and ended up with reese yeah. Which is a good signing, but you know it was late in the day, and you know, it, it just seemed as though we were just in the exact same position. Well, we tried, we tried to get Jordan Morris from the MLS. We tried to get um, what was his name? That big, tall ginger fella from. Oh my god, that's going to annoy me now. Ferdy Droyf. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tried to get him, and then we landed on Emil. Um, there was others in there. There was plenty we were after, but yeah, um, yeah. To be fair, I'll give you that. I think the season, maybe the season before he left, was probably when it all started. But you know, that was the summer that Dolan went. Yeah, you know, just just loads of stuff. You know, Jack Armour went as well. 
Um, we'll actually come on to it. I'm sure we've, well, you know, you might do in the separate one, but with Clarkie, where he left, he left in the, the COVID period. Bit, and it's just a cloud around and, that. Yeah. And it's just ever since then that we've not really recovered from it. And it, and it just seems to have got, we just don't seem as though everyone, everything just seems as though it's a little bit out of control and there's no real plan. Um, and it's, it's just glaringly obvious, isn't it? That, you know, it's, it, things aren't right or where they should be off the pit, off the field. And, um, after being that summer, well, obviously COVID hit, but you know, after being near the top of the table and in the playoffs, even though we are 12, it does seem as though we're a, a mile off it, doesn't it? It's weird. It's one of them, isn't it? Like, you, yeah, we're 12, we're safe. Um, but you look at the table as as it stands at the moment, and you've got probably down to maybe Reading and Birmingham uh, are the last two that are probably definitely safe, definitely out of bother. So you're going down to 18th. We could be in any one of those positions and it wouldn't really make a jot of difference where we finish. Right, we're safe, we're in the championship next season. Club are happy with that. Um, Just seems that, like that's... a long time since we had anything really to play for going into yeah, the final. It's, it's yeah, another I mean, season that's over in March, isn't it? Yeah, and and the, the one season where we did actually have something to play for, <laughs> COVID happened and we, and we didn't even get to witness it. But I think I do miss that time where you, towards you get to the end of the season and you, you play one of the night games and it's still light and it's a bit warm in the air. And there's there's something to play for. Whereas the last few seasons, you know, we've just had really nothing to get too excited about. And and it seems as though that's been the case since you know, we had we had obviously the time underneath where we finished seventh, but the rest of the time it's it's all been pretty similar, hasn't it? Um Yeah. Yeah, it's not been great. And you know, there's there's rumours, isn't there, that the season tickets are going to be frozen or a slight increase. I don't think they can do anything more than that in terms of keeping, uh, in terms of not increasing the prices. Because you know, I speak to loads of people that are just like, I'm either not getting one, or the only reason I'm getting one is a habit, or b to get away from the misses and have a bit of peace and quiet. They'll be worried because obviously last summer it was all new, wasn't it? Low was new, you know, in terms of a full season. The season ticket prices were lower. There's a lot of work going on with the fans off the field in terms of trying to, you know, get everyone together and buy the tickets. And there were rumours at the start of the summer around these outlandish signings we were making and, you know, comments on the forum that were, that we were, you know, there was a there was a, a new way of thinking. They haven't got any of that this summer. There's nothing to galvanise people. There's, there's what can you say? You know, you can't say we're going to go out and strengthen because we know we're not. Um, we haven't got a new manager because we just haven't. And that manager can't say the same things, can he? Because you know he was talking about playoffs and all sorts of stuff. Well, he can't get away with that again because well, even that was a bit you know, weird, wasn't it? Because very quickly. After the season started, the club was shutting all that down. Well, it wasn't anything to do with us. That was just that was Ryan. Yeah. That was the manager. So, like, 
is there no joined up thinking here? Is there no plan? Well, they were um, happy to use it to me. They were happy to use Ryan Lowe as the um, the figurehead to yeah. try and get as many season tickets. And they, I personally feel as though they were more than happy with him going out and saying the stuff he was. But you know, because people were buying it. You know, people were getting, genuinely getting excited about what the yeah. season was going to hold. And they haven't got any of that now. You can't. I mean, what angle are they going to play other than we're going to keep season tickets at the same price? Well, that alone will mean that there's going to be a reduction. There has to be a reduction because you yeah. can't imagine everyone renewing, can you? There's no way there'll be twelve thousand again next season. Um, but yeah, so it I would be that's... very interesting to know what angle they play. Um, that's probably a, a conversation for one when the season tickets are actually announced. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a, largely a good month, hasn't it, since we last last spoke. Um, obviously, you take the Borough defeat out, and it's two wins, two draws, four goals scored, one conceded. Um, most of the time, it's not been great to watch, but I think over a season, you take that. It's mid-table. Just mid-table fodder, aren't we, really? Yeah. Um, and we can go through little runs and spells of winning and losing, but ultimately that's, that, is where, that is what we are, really. Um, we are where we are, and we are what we are, aren't we? Exactly. Um, yeah, now we're joined by... Tom Drake, I'm the Chief Executive Officer at Preston North End Community and Education Trust, so we're the official charity of Preston North End Football Club. Nice to have you on, mate. It's been a long time coming. Um, yeah, what, maybe 12 months or more we've been trying to sort something out, but here we are. Yeah, I was um, beginning to think you don't want me on, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying what, what you want to hear and then not actually following through. Yeah. Um, for those that maybe don't know, will you just talk a little bit about the work that the CET and yourself and your team do in the community? Yeah, sure. So we're charitable arm of the football club, so we utilise the power of Preston North End and football to provide programmes that meet the needs of our community. So we have three strands of work within the trust and that's community engagement. So within that, there's a lot of work goes on, but predominantly it's around reducing reoffending and tackling antisocial behaviour and sort of within our more deprived wards across, across the city. Uh, and we also do a lot of work around diversity within that area. So you'll see from sort of the next couple of weeks around Ramadan uh, and a lot of the work that we're doing there. So then we also have an education strand, which is exactly what it says on the tin, really. But we, we deliver PE in primary schools around upskilling primary school teachers all the way through to de- delivering degree programmes, distance learning degree programmes, which take place on site at Deepdale. So that is a lot of um, of our work. And then we have a health and wellbeing strand, which again tackles the health inequalities of the city. So we have a lot of weight management programs, um, obesity in young people, blood pressure, so on. So um, we're a team of thirty-six staff now, so thirty-six full-time staff, um, and we invest in terms of sort of like turnover and investing back into the city, around one point three, one point four million pound a year in terms of. Um, like program funding that comes in and then is distributed back into our community. So, you know, we, we've we've progressed sort of significantly over the last what three or four years. We're, um, you know, we're we're a team now that, like I said, operating at thirty six staff. It, it, it's quite a 
a large entity that that operates in the community day in day out. Yeah, and that you're you're self funded as well, aren't you? So that's all sort of money that you make that then obviously goes back into these projects and stuff. Um, yeah, absolutely. you're not. If I've got it right, you're not reliant on the club financially. No, so we're a self uh, finance organisation. We're a charity that stands alone. We just operate under the the banner of the football club. As you know, there's we're one of seventy two up and down the country that are attached to uh, football clubs, and they all range in sizes, and but they all operate on very similar sort of objectives. So yeah, we predominantly our funding is through uh, commission grants or commission pieces of work that that we need to do or through sort of schools buying us in perhaps um, or some fundraising. And then we have do receive some sort of central core money, which is through the Premier League Charitable Fund. So that's around like the TV rights deal. And a proportion of that is saved back down into community trust to do to do um, set programmes. But yeah, we don't rely on any sort of core funding coming from the football club. But I would say that you know, we're heavily supported by the football club in the sense of sort of like central support. So around accounts, HR, safeguarding, uh, and obviously, the the club badge and operating out of their facilities and the match day initiatives that we're able to do and so on. So, yeah, there's a lot, of, heck of a lot of in kind support from the football club. Yeah, yeah. Whilst though, obviously they're not helping financially, they're helping in a lot of other ways. Um, yeah. One of which is obviously with um, the the big sleep out that's just been announced for November this year. Um, I've been told I have to do it, so Brownie, if I'm doing it, so are you. <laughs> um, Jimmy, if you're listening as well, you're coming. But yeah, Tom, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I know uh, it was Monday this week that that was sort of all announced, and um, yeah, it was it was launched then. But what what are the sort of like the finer details and the reasonings behind that? Yeah, so you you may remember in we we did the first event in 2019. Um, so that that again initially was sort of um, quite a low, low key event. Uh, that was the plan, uh, and we we was trying to raise a set amount of money to put into the housing first scheme, which was to support the most vulnerable and homeless uh, into housing in that first step back into housing. Uh, and then we 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 set off, and uh, before we know it, we you know we were heading towards sort of. 50 60 grand and it really snowballed towards the end where we hit about 95 grand at the at the end and that was uh not including sort of in-kind support where we had trades people coming forward saying no we'll do the plastering on the house and or, or whatever it may be uh and then we was able to purchase a house so it was a very tangible thing for people to see where where the fun sort of fundraising had gone to um so it was a great event and I'd not been in, I'd not been impressed nor in this role that that long, so I think it was my first sort of example of how good our sort of fan base and community are in terms of you know really supporting events. We had over two hundred and fifty people in the in in the cop uh, under the cop on the concourse sleeping out. Um, it was absolutely packed. It was a it was a little bit of madness to be honest. Um, so that that was really successful. Um, and again, the club and Willie Malt at the time was very, very sort of supporting in that piece of work. But then the idea initially was to do it biannually. However, you know, COVID come um, and very much squashed a lot of plans. Uh, but if we fast forward four years, 
obviously the result of COVID and the cost of living crisis that we find ourselves in, we just found that it was the right time to do it once again. So yeah, so we, we, we got the same group of people back together uh, and we, we've launched the event on Monday, which so it'll take place on Friday the 17th of November. We picked a nice cold month um, and it'll, it'll take place pitch side and because um, that's one thing we, so we took quite a lot of learning from the first event. Um, and one of the, one of the ideas was around the elements of being outside and uh, wanting to actually feel what it's what it's really like to to sleep rough for one night. So the target this year is fifty thousand again, uh, and hopefully we'll we'll exceed that once again. And that's to uh, provide the Fox and Dare Centre, which is their new centre, um, to be able to uh, provide food, warmth, and and activities for their clients. So particularly the activities bit is really important to us because that's where we see we can add benefit to that area. You know, we can go in and deliver sort of physical activity to improve the health or mental health or whatever it may be. We can do some employability work with the clients and so on. So, um, yeah, so be the 17th, it'll be around 8 p.m. till 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, and then people tend to tend to then depart but it was a great event last year it was it was re- uh, sorry in 2019 it was really successful yeah i remember um my mother-in-law had some connection to the foxing center at the time and she she just kept going on and on about how successful it was and yeah it, it's great that you're doing it again and i think obviously less than ideal that covid's come in and done what it's done and it's taken this long to get the next one back up and running. But, um, yeah, no, kudos to you and the team. And, obviously, I think Brownie and I touched on the fans before, obviously, with it being Gentry Day. And I think you've just sort of highlighted there another element of the fan base and how how good they are, um, you know, in supporting initiatives and, and stuff like this and events like this that are going on that you guys put on. Um yeah, I would really say I'm looking work. forward to it, but... Well, you're just looking forward to a full night's sleep, Jake, aren't you? Well, yeah, <laughs> true. I'll, I'll take anything I can get. <laughs> Even if it's freezing. <laughs> yeah, so another example of our fan base was like during COVID, the Hamper scheme, the food initiative that we did, they were, they were unbelievable in getting behind us in terms of volunteering support, financial support through fundraising. So, you know, every initiative or event that we've, we've put out where we've needed fan support they're very much behind us and we can't ask for much more really so i would add just in terms of this event this year jake like we've we also took on board some learning from last time that because it's ratings and over based, based on sort of safeguarding and health and safety we're encouraging people to make up their own events so if families want to do it at home in in the back garden for example they can do and they can do it together and you know they'll just follow the same fundraising platforms the same sort of hashtags and uh, and follow it on Twitter. So, because we had some like scouts groups come forward where they were unable to participate based on age, but obviously they want to generate funds for a very vital cause. So, we just tried to sort of encompass that into our plans this year. Yeah, no, that's good. I think you know it's you can make a bit of a, a thing of it, can't you? Like having groups of kids sleeping in the back garden and sort of still making an effort with the fundraising and it all going into the same sort of pot. Um, how come How come it is 18 over? 
Is is there no sort of room for under eighteens with guardians or anything like that? I think we're just trying to be like it's a very fine line between sort of the safeguarding measures on on the night. So we're just we are signing on the sort of like being cautious around it, but we just feel it's probably the the safest sort of cut off age group where you know an individual can can come and in, individually participate in the event and, and be safe as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's why we've decided, but we we appreciate that that sort of has its challenges with that, you know, makes it where some people are unable to attend as a result of childcare or whatever it may be. So that's why we tried to put in the the other angle where they can participate away from the event as well. So it's yeah. more of a sleep out night where there's multiple events going on. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Really good work. Obviously, it's, you know, it's connected to the club, but um, it's important to, Obviously, the contribution to the local area. So, yeah, really good work. And, yeah, like the initiatives. Have you got your idea on coming attending this time? Because Louis Malt went last time, but you don't know who's going to be here. But have you got your your eye on anyone to come and uh, join you? Uh, not yet. I think we'd we'd like as many players as possible to get involved. You know, there was quite there was a quite a link with Louis in terms of his own personal story. So it very much it very much fit. Um, well, we we really would like you know the manager and some of the players to to be involved and you know just kick off the night and do and do some of the promotional work leading up to it, uh, and 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 they will do because they're, they're great with us. So um, yeah, it's very much let's launch it, let's get the initial interest, and then there there is an information evening on Thursday the twentieth of of April at the Fox and Dare Centre, which is on Fox Street, so it's within the city centre, just at 6pm and that's more for if you want some more information before you you sign up to to a very cold night um and learn a bit about where, where your fundraising will go and um then then yeah I'd, I'd recommend you attending that information evening um as we're recording it's 21st of march obviously ramadan starts tomorrow um what have you got uh, planned around that? I know Bambo's done a load of stuff with you in the past, hasn't he? Is there anything, anything coming up? Uh, yeah, where, where do we start? Um, <laughs> so we we've got now starting from uh, Thursday. We were launching it internally in terms of so we've got a couple of staff who, who will be um, taking part in Ramadan, so they're going to be doing an education session for all our staff. So actually, our staff on Thursday are fasting themselves and that's sort of like an education process for for us uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll be out delivering iftar packs across the community so um, the community engagement team's got quite a structured timetable which has been released today around where we're going to be and that's very much focusing on uh, mosques and then some door-to-door visits in in the more sort of dip- um, diverse areas uh, and then yeah so a lot of that again is around us getting our out in the community and engaging with um with residents and then trying to just break down some of the barriers as well around you know why why they may not be attending our programs or why they might not be attending match days and you will have seen from sort of three years ago when when we initially did it to now there's been some vast changes in the stadium uh there's been some changes in sort of people accessing our programs so it, it it's really working um and we're pleased with the progress in that area of work so yeah, to answer your question, there's every night from the 23rd all the way through to Eid, uh, we'll be out, our staff, um, 
delivering FTAR packs, engaging with the community. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a really really busy period for us. Is there anything any listeners can do to help over Ramadan? Yeah, so if they want to, so we've also got sorry a break your fast event on the thirtieth of March. Yeah, so again, it's something that we did last year. Um, so we 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 want people to come and volunteer. And, you know, they can come and help give some iftar packs out, or if they if they just want to come and have a look and uh, at the break fast event and learn more about the religion, you know, the the more than welcome. And and that that's exactly what we're trying to achieve is that integration within our community. Yeah. No, it sounds good. Um, I'll be in touch as well, because if there's anything I can do to come and help, then um, I will, if it gives me a bit of peace and quiet from the baby. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, Tom, no, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Um, yeah. Yeah, cheers, Tom. Thanks very oh, much. No thanks, thanks for having me. I'll, um, yeah, I'll share everything on social media, links and images and all that sort of stuff, and keep sort of plugging it between now and November. Um, but yeah, nice one, mate. Much appreciated. Appreciate that. Thank you. Cheers, Paul. See you in a bit. See you in a bit. And now we'll wait for the man who put the ball in the Blackpool net. Hi, I'm um, Tom Clark, um, former Preston North End captain, um, now at Halifax. So, hi, everyone. Clarky, thanks for joining us. Uh, much appreciated. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll jump straight into it. Obviously, yeah. North End's next game is Blackpool at home, 1st of April. Um, I think it was your second game for us, was it? Yeah, second game. Um, I think the first one, can't remember who we played now. Um, Wolves, was it? Wolves. Wolves. Yeah, that's it, Wolves. Um, so, not an easy game to start with. Um, hey, Brownie, look yeah. at us, looking like we've done uh, our research. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> Neil Mellon drops us with a question you're not going to do that are you Clarky? he drops you a question <laughs> not, none, of, none of us can answer <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah no it's um, so yeah sort of straight into the thick of it really um, and obviously the second game um, against the, the local rivals I'm assuming you didn't know much about the rivalry um, before coming to North End um, not not massively. Listen, I knew it were a, a, a big game. Um, you could tell with the build-up that we had that you know that it was, the stadium was going to be packed out. Um, Simon Grayson at the time sort of training intensified a little bit more. Um, he let a few of the lads know you know what a big deal this is. Um, so you sort of got the feeling. Um, it was not until you sort of walked out really that you got the full wrath of the stadium being full, their end being full, and just the atmosphere in general that, you know, told you that this was a massive game. Yeah, um, obviously we touched there on the fact that it was your second game for North End. Mm-hmm. When when you join in a new club, are you, are you looking straight away at the fixtures and what you've got coming up or are you maybe a little bit more focused on sort of settling in? Listen, it were a difficult one against Wolves. You couldn't have probably started with a bigger game. So, yeah, sort of coming off the back of that, that was a, a tough game. Um, but yeah, as soon as that sort of finishes, your focus goes so solely on the next game. It's the most important game, the next game. So yes, full focus went on to that, knowing what it meant for the fans, add that little bit more onto it. What did Simon have to say about it? Um, so obviously he's a Yorkshireman himself, yeah. managed Blackpool and played for Blackpool. Um, but 
he was obviously on the other end of it. What? How, how was how was he in the build up to it? Well, he's a experienced sort of player. He he's been there and done it. Um, obviously, like you say, he's, he's managed and played for uh, the rivals, so he knew what what it's all about. Um, so yeah, he sort of made sure training we were all on it, knowing what it meant for the fans, um, and just making sure that you know it were a must-win game for us. Really, um, we could not lose this game. Um, obviously, I think Blackpool were the division above um, so yeah we knew it was going to be a difficult game but yeah just we were just sort of raring to go really and, and looking forward to it We were looking at the team before did you play right back that game? I did yeah I played right back um, sort of on and off really with, with, with Simon Grayson sort of lent itself to a free sometimes at the back um, but yeah sort of the younger days I, I, I didn't mind that role I played a lot of it for Huddersfield coming through on our promotion um, side so yeah we're, we're very familiar with the role um, obviously knew it'd be a difficult one with I think it were Ince that was play, playing maybe that, that yeah. game so yeah um, but a position I'm familiar with How did you find it as you went through your career right back because obviously the, it's changed hasn't it as a position playing yeah. right back it's a lot more attacking than, than what it was but you did up until that last season you were still playing right back quite a bit so you still manage that well or did you have to adapt in any way? Listen, coming through when I came through and sort of how sort of Grayson wanted to play, um, I was a defender. You know, I like to defend, um, win my headers, challenges and sort of get the ball and give it to, to the wingers to do their jobs. But like you've said, the, the roles changed massively now and I was sort of in between of it changing. So it was always difficult. Listen, you know, I, I always wanted to play centre-half and felt my attributes lend itself well to that. But I weren't going to say, you know, as long as I'm playing, I wasn't bothered and, and, and just try to give 100%. But like you say, <clears throat> the fans and the way the, the positions change now, you're more of a, a winger than a defender. So, listen, that's not me. Um, I, <laughs> I sort of towards the end tried tried my best, give 100% in, in what I could provide for the team. When... When you joined, were you made captain pretty much straight away? Um, I don't think I was, no. Um, well, she was the captain. Um, now, it, it was a bit of a straight, strange one, really. He didn't, you know, sit us down or or anything. It was just a, a case in pre-season where I came in and the armband was, was on my place. Um, so I thought, oh, it's a pre-season game. You know, he's probably just changing it up a little bit. Um but then it sort of carried on, really, and, and sort of obviously then the gaffer announced it um, to, to the media. But yeah, as as it, as it goes for us sitting us down or having that conversation, it never really happened. It was just a, a gradual thing, really. But like I've said before, you know, Welshy was a massive part of it. Um, unbelievable leader, helped me a lot um, in how I wanted to go about it. And he's one of them sort of players who want in the trenches with you. And, and that's how I feel that, that I was, you know, sort of that little bit of old school came through and um, hopefully providing that for the, for the new lads that have come through. Yeah. I remember when, before you joined, when we had, si uh, not Simon Grayson, Graham Wesley, and mm -hmm. we were signing like John Welsh, Paul Huntington. Um, yeah. And I remember him making a point of saying, I want to sign a load of captains. Obviously, Hunts yeah. was captain at Yeovil, I think. Welsh yeah. at Tranmere. 
And then obviously you you came under under Simon. I think it was clear to see that that sort of, like you said, Tom, that old school style of it's a battle. You win your headers, you win your tackles. I think that that sort of came through and helped in in the time under under Grayson. And then obviously when Galley joined as well, he's he's probably another one, but he's he's got that. Ability, yeah. and he's got that wickedness about him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, that's that's how I. I hope that I left it. You know how the fans fought me. I'd, I'd leave everything out there for for the team, for the manager, for the fans, um, and that's just how how I was growing up. And that's probably with the the amount of injuries that I've I've had. It's just how I played, um, and you couldn't probably take that out of me. Um, and that lent itself well, knowing to the boys that listen, I'm I'm on their side. I'll you know do anything to to get the win and and put my body on the line for the for the lads and like say with that little bit of quality in there um, to add to it. But we were, we were an experienced group. We had Beckford, Galley, Welshy. You know we had a good good group. Hunts, Bailey, Wright, who have gone on to to captain um, other teams. So we had a great group um, who helped each other. Uh, massively um, through that through that season, so no, it was brilliant. Great set of lads. What What's your memory of the Blackpool game then? Um, obviously, aside from the obvious one, um, yeah. Up until that point, what What's your memory of it? Initial memory is is obviously walking out um, to the stadium being full. Obviously, I'd not experienced that Wolves. Was was probably similar, but this being a night game, it always feels a little bit, a little bit different. Um, and then it just being a, a tough game, you know. I can remember the lads saying, "But yeah, we've got extra time coming up, and legs are hanging off, and um, just sort of thinking about that really, what's coming up, you know." Um, and then obviously the free kick got given, and as I've said before, you know, I always sort of tend to go around the sort of back stick a little bit. Um, I think it was, was it Holmes there? Lee Holmes, yeah. yeah. it was, yeah. Um, he's got a great delivery. It's um, from d- quite deep yeah. as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was deep, yeah. Um, and yeah, like I've said, just lucky that it, it fell on my head and, and it went in. Um, great emotion. My family was there and um, yeah, just, just pleased that it was my head that knocked it in and we could get the win and the atmosphere after the game with everyone running on and it was just an amazing feeling. Um one that'll, you know, live live a long time with me. Was it also your head that knocked Hunts' tooth out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Looking back at the celebrations, um I know he's always had a bit of a loose tooth, so he's obviously got a little bit excited and whacked it on my head, but I think yeah, with everything going on, I didn't feel it. I just seen him searching for it after. Um <laughs> Thankfully, I found it. Um, so yeah, no, it was all good. But yeah, just, just again, you know, good, good group of lads to do it with, and um, yeah, great for the fans. You know that they still talk about it now. It's it's brilliant. You get it, don't you? Where people say, "Oh, go and make a name for yourself in a big derby and stuff." I mean, obviously, you had the the playoff final, which probably stands out. That will stand out as the main achievement. But to go and score a goal in a derby and People still talking about it today. It must still, um, must still be proud of it. 
Oh my God, yeah. It's like you said, I could be, you know, in Preston and, and that's that's the first thing they say. Um so again feel very, you know, fortunate that you know, it fell on my head and went in and we could get the win and and they've been able to sort of boast about it ever since. I think the timing of it was was brilliant to sort of do it sort of last minute. Um I still get people say that they live around the stadium could hear the roar as well. So it just shows what a big game it was. Um, yeah, just a, a brilliant day that, you know, the fans can talk about and, and um, come away with a win. Yeah, but you've probably had a load of people say you'll never have to buy a part in Preston again, but yeah, being, being the consummate <laughs> professional you are. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I come in, he's great. Sam Grayson's like, you know what you've done? You know, you go down in folklore for that. And I I would just try to take it in, you know what I mean? I, I, I was talking to my wife just earlier and I was like, must have been obviously late getting back and stuff and I'm buzzing and everyone's asleep. I'm like, just, I need someone to talk to when you wake up. Do you know what's happened? <laughs> so I was like, just met my dad, had a chat and you know, like I say, he was at the game. So no, it was brilliant. <laughs> I can, can imagine getting back home just a quiet house. And I was like, buzzing. Lynn's wake up. <laughs> <laughs> How how was Simon sort of different or was he not in the preparation? I know you've said he's sort of made sure that you were you were all on it in training, but was there anything standout or anything significant? Or was it just like that old chestnut of um play the game, not the occasion? Yeah, def- definitely that was that was one of them. But Grayson's style is to to just not change that's I think that's one of his um, attributes is no matter how big the game is you know training stays the same he never changes his his way of doing stuff or the way his meetings are and I think that was one thing that I've, I've sort of learned going forward he never got too up when we won never got too down when we lost he, he kept to medium and it, it it worked really well for us as a team um, and I think that's one of the main reasons why we we, we you know, after that disappointment away on the last game, to go on and kick on again to do it in the playoff final, I think that's one of his main main attributes. And you know, thinking back, he would have definitely been like that. You know, it's another game. Yeah, it's a big game, but you know, it's the next game. So, um, so yeah, he'd go by like that. I'd imagine. There's no parties then, no, no one going out around no, town or anything. No, no, I missed that. Yeah. Um, I bet a few of the lads did, but no, I got back. Um, Try to wake the wife up and tell her what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine Jack King would have been afterwards. Oh yeah, Beluga would have been. Yeah, would have been a good one for him, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah, there'd, there'd been a few out of the Preston boys, I'd imagine. Um, obviously Simon left. Uh, Alex Neil came in. I think me and Brownie, we could be wrong here. We're not known for doing our research too thoroughly sometimes, <laughs> but I think the only two derby games Alex lost, we were down to 10 men in both. The Wigan one when right. Ledson got sent off and uh, Blackburn during COVID when yeah. uh, Rafty got sent off. I think yeah. every yeah. other derby game, I'm fairly certain he won. How, yeah. how, how was Alex for you? in the build-up to those games? I know it was quite intense anyway. Um, yeah. Sort of, 
with Alex Neal, it was sort of the polar opposite to to how Grayson, like you said, you can see him on the sidelines. He's, he's very intense. He's very involved, and and that's how he would be in the changing rooms. Um, but tactically, probably one of the best managers I've, I've played under. He, he just had a way of going out against the bigger teams and having a plan, and that plan came off. Um, more often than not, and like you say, we had really good, good results in the derby games. Um, yeah, I just remember that that period. We, we very rarely lost against, like you say, only two um, potentially. So, no, just yeah, tactically very good, but with that little bit of um, that Scottish um, anger that he's got um, that can come out, and 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 it's what's needed in them kind of games to get you up for it. Um, and again, he's one of them that you want to put your body on the line for and, and, and go into every challenge and, and, and win the game. Um, but yeah, tactically, yeah, very, very good. Um, so yeah, new, new to how to, to play the game against these, these bigger teams and, and, and do really well. Were you put in there more? Because I can't remember in terms of the big games, in terms of a, an experienced player. You were still club captain really weren't you and um, mm. even towards the yeah. end were you putting more for those games in terms of you know what it's all about and because I remember the season when we played when we were like top and then I think Sinclair had joined and we played Blackman away didn't we and you started that game which yeah I think at the time you weren't playing as much so yeah. the importance of having you know experienced people in the team um is that something that Alex kind of lent on yeah, most definitely. Um, sort of the two managers in, in sort of Grayson and um, Alex. Alex was very keen to, with his captain, have talks every day, how the lads, whereas Grayson sort of just let it, let it go, let the lads deal with it themselves. Whereas, yeah, Alex relied on his captain a lot to to sort of see where the lads are and, and how they're feeling going into these derby games. So, yeah, there were definitely games where, um, like you say, I wasn't probably involved as much as, as as the other lads, but there were games that I would be called upon, knowing that what I'd give for that game and and what hopefully um, I can add for the lads in the change rooms going out to you know what is a big game for the fans. Yeah, I think you know we touched on it before, didn't we? There were, there was players like yourself and Hunts that were they sort of embodied that old school style and wore wore your heart on your sleeve and. I think coupled with what I imagine Alex Neil would have been like in the dressing room, um, obviously proved to be a successful recipe more often than not. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, he had players that he could rely on, players that you know had that little bit of of, of quality um, when it was needed. But yeah, lads that are like you say, the Hunts, myself, you know, Galley, who was sort of. You know, in that period of, of a bit of an old school um, coming through as, as a younger lad, seeing how that worked and sort of try to adapt it to yourself with the sort of this new generation that's come through, um, which is, you know, totally different. Um, so it's, it were a case of and what I, I felt that I sort of could do well. I could mix with any kind of group um, and was easy to talk to, easy to get on with and, and be there for anyone if needed. Yeah, it's one thing that uh, I've had Piero on the podcast and he said that as as a captain, um, he was like, you were great because you never sort of, 
he said that you yeah. never sort of um like associated with one group in particular you were like everyone's yeah. mate yeah yeah i think it's important that you know lads feel that they can come to you and not there's not that barrier of manager and captain you know i was all for the, for the players really and making sure they was ready for for what was you know big games tough season coming up and and like I say, being there for, for them, I could go out and have a drink with them. I could be serious. I could lose my head with them. But, I, you know, I had that little bit of a bit of everything with the help of, you know, the other lads, the experienced lads of Hunts and, and Galley to sort of shoulder some stuff as well. What's um, what's an overriding memory from a derby game for you, for your time at North End, apart from the obvious, apart from the Blackpool one? I think it's just that overriding factor of we must win. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a case of, lads, listen, we've, we've, we've got to get result here. Um, don't care how we play, if it's pretty or not, because we won't be turning his Instagrams on after it. So, yeah, get just overriding factor of, of get the win, let the fans have one up on the, the rivals. And, and that was it, really. It was, you know, full focus on, on getting the result. Um, and like you said, more often than not, we, we was able to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you a tricky question now, Tom. Have you yeah. got a prediction for when we play Blackpool in a couple of weeks' time? Um, Given that I don't know if you've kept up with North End at all this season. Yeah, so it... yeah I have, yeah. Obviously, they've been, results-wise, they've been on a good run up until, obviously, Middlesbrough game, if I'm right. Yeah, seven unbeaten. Seven unbeaten, Um from what I've seen, I don't I, I, keeping quite a tight defence and obviously not scoring as probably as many as as they would like. So listen, derby games are you sort of throw out the rule book. You know, Blackpool are down there, Preston are obviously hoping for an outside chance of these the playoffs, um, but that goes out the window. So they're very difficult to predict. Like you said earlier on, it's a case of not letting the occasion get over you um, and yeah listen I, I, I predict to, to Preston win um, I don't know if that's my heart talking or, or what but that's all I can see I don't think you'll be alone in that prediction Brownie <laughs> yeah. and I will also be predicting a North End win yeah. um, we could not could we <laughs> no, especially after earlier this season when we got beat 4-2 yeah. Yeah. yeah that wasn't pretty no, it wasn't. <laughs> Definitely wasn't. Uh, Clarky, thank you very much for your time, mate. Much appreciated. No, thank you. Cheers, Clarky. Yeah, no worries. No, Cheers, Clarky. Cheers. Cheers for Wembley. Cheers for Wembley, mate. Cheers for Wembley. Cheers for that night in August. See you later. in a bit. See you in a bit. Yeah, Clarky, Clarky predicting a North End win. Um, we've got a win, haven't we? Oh, God. Oh, well, we're definitely going to win. No, there's no doubt in my mind we're going to win. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think normally going into games like this, it's all it's all we've got left to play for. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, it's literally that and the Rovers game, and the fact it, the added fact that we could relegate Blackpool as well. Well, more or less, yeah. I think I don't think we could actually do it, can we? But I Again, think I haven't. Surprisingly, I haven't done the. Maths, no, there's no. I don't I think it's a bit early for that. But I think. Um, the, the danger is they've got something to play for in it, but you know, I think I think we've got 
you know, the lot form goes out the window and all that sort of stuff that people say. I think we've genuinely got enough quality to go out there and beat them. Um, so, yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, Borough game aside, I think the run that we're on heading into the Borough game should give the lads a bit of confidence. And, you know, DJ's come back in, Brownie's back in. Um, Ali McCann might even be, be back fit for that one, but whether or not he gets in ahead of DJ or Brownie. Assuming Ben Whiteman's fit, but it we have to win. We have to win. Got an interesting set of fixtures, haven't we? Blackpool at home, QPR away, Reading at home. Probably the three of the you know the out of form teams. Um, could be back in the playoff picture by the end of that, couldn't we, Jay? <laughs> uh, I dare say if a if a wildly optimistic Adam Salisbury was on. Yeah, he would, he would agree with you. Um, I think even yeah. Solly's uh, Solly's given up now, but we'll see. We he could might, be. Who he knows? might be booking his uh, Wembley hotels at the end of that Reading game. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, what's your score prediction, mate? Two <sighs> one. Yeah, I think I think there'll be goals. Um, I'll say three one North End. Three goals. Be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. It'd be rare. At home, yeah. Um, nice yeah Brownie cheers pal much appreciated as always um, cheers mate have you got anything you would like to finish on no no just starstruck I met Tom Clark so don't well, think I'm uh, pretty speechless man. now yeah he's a very nice man as well yeah very nice um, Bran yeah cheers for your time mate I will see you on Saturday um, very much yeah. looking forward to having a few beers with you yeah me too mate Grand. Cheers, pal. See you in a bit. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rishi, and this is our song, Wise Man. Wise Man.